Welcome to another episode of Sunday Strays, A House Sitter's Tales. You'll have to bear with me because I've got a bit of a scratchy throat and I might sound a little bit croaky. Anyway, this week I'm going to revisit that beach house sit, a lazy summer gig with no pets to care for and just a few drought-resistant garden plants. It was an awesome experience. Early in my house-sitting journey, it was at times also quite strange, starting with the night I arrived. I met some nice people around that time, and that was a bonus, as sometimes it can feel isolated out there, especially on those remote properties, even if I prefer that to the cities. So although this episode is focused on a specific house sit, we should also talk about how I keep myself occupied and keep in touch with the rest of humanity. I'll do that next week. Eight weeks at the beach in a remote part of South Australia. What could be better than that? The South Australian coastline is stunning. I'd been camping at Mount Pleasant in the Barossa Valley, just exploring the region and relaxing. If you're over that way, the council-run campground is more than pleasant. It's sublime. Huge shady trees, lots of room to spread out in the grass, new amenities. I was having fun poking around the area and a visit to Maggie Beer's property was a must. I did a geocaching winery tour and drove into Adelaide to buy a new fold-up chair. From there, it was a drive up to Stirling North, quite different as I was now camped on red dirt, but just as friendly and quiet. I'd planned a trip to my birthplace, Woomera, but the road had been washed out in heavy floods. There was a 20 metre gap between the south and north sections of bitumen, so that trip was postponed for two months. I drove on to Port Lincoln on the eastern tip of the west coast. The caravan park was on a hill with terraced flat concrete pads. Everyone had a great view out over the water. A few nights there beetling around in the car, on foot and on bike. Lots of sandy trails weaving through the salt bush. Ships loading up with salt. And I bought a couple of new pillows. Best of all, drove through Wyala on the way down to the port and visited the information centre. After a few days of soaking up the air, I did a day drive to Paluby Beach. I'd like to say that was uneventful, but you know, it happens, and there was a little incident. I was taking it easy, towing the caravan, no problems there, nice smooth road. The one that goes all the way across the country. Glancing sideways as road signs approached, keeping an eye in for roaming wildlife, though it's not usually a problem during the daytime, and making a mental checklist for places to do some day trips. Then I rolled into and through Streaky Bay, which would be my closest shops, some 20 minutes from my base for the next two months. Beach, fresh fish, touring, geocaching, I was up for some fun. I was on the right track, then I wasn't. It looked like the road split as I headed towards the edge of town, where the big silos let you know there's an oasis on the horizon. Anyway, it looked like I needed to stick to the left, 
And although Streaky was chock full of tourists, both towing and not, it was a quiet afternoon on the road. So I went to the left parallel to the main road, expecting to pop out again on the main road a bit further up. A few hundred metres, that's as far as I got, then hit a dead end. And not just a dead end, high concrete gutters on both sides, houses on the left. Now what? I did the only thing I could do with a full-size caravan stuck to the back of the car. I jiggled it. And I was, I was on a road with houses on one side, backed the whole shebang into someone's driveway, neatly avoiding hitting their letterbox, of course, backing square onto the concrete, just enough so the car had room to turn. Then drove off back the way I'd come and out onto the main road. I was pretty sure there was nobody at home and I only made use of the driveway for a couple of minutes. Half an hour later, I arrived at a small beach community. There's a turnout on the corner for lost travellers, so it's hard to miss. I clocked the dirt road to the beach as I drove past then found the street and drove up to the property. These are all rural blocks, most around the 10-acre mark. Gravel with native flowers growing wild everywhere. The owners already had their caravan out as they were packing. We decided to back my van in alongside one of the carports so I could park the four-wheel drive in the shade next to a smaller runabout which they used for beach trips. I was told I could use the little wheels, but I didn't. Merely turned it over once a week to keep the battery charged. I set up the solar blanket next to the caravan and plugged it in. Then I loaded my mountain bike and started to haul my stuff into the house. The owner showed me to my room, then went back to buzzing in and out. Two little dogs bopped around the place as we worked. Then a thorough tour for me of the yard, sheds and water supply. A bit later, the host put a chook on the barbecue. I contributed a bottle of Barossa Valley white wine. We ate and got to know each other. They'd actually met on a jetty in Queensland, both being divorcees. Then somehow ended up building on a remote off-grid block on the west coast of South Australia. They showed me around the house. Strangely, the key feature of these beach houses was the balcony. This couple had enclosed their balcony in, installed some furniture so they could see the water through the windows as they relaxed, and in one corner a spa bath full of something green. They switched off the spa that night. We'll come back to that later. We tried to watch television, but the hubby continued to tell me all about his life, his first wife, how he met his second wife, his medical conditions. My head bobbed from side to side as I tried to see what the lady was pointing out on the TV and still focus on what he was telling me. She interrupted him, he interrupted her, the TV and me. Then she told me about her medical issues. I tried to join in, but was just too tired from driving, towing, unpacking. I was exhausted. So, full of good food and wine, time for bed. 
Next morning, feeling refreshed, I wandered out to the kitchen expecting to see a sink full of dirty dishes. The lady homeowner was not interested in us cleaning up the night before, which is what I'd prefer to do. But the kitchen was sparkling clean. My hosts were buzzing in and out, doing last-minute things to the caravan. And I know how that goes. Check, recheck, did I check that? They continued to talk over each other. The dogs ran around in circles. Happy little guys. They were going on a trip. Roughly an hour later, the caravan pulled out of the driveway, me waving as they disappeared, heading up to Queensland, where it was raining heavily. Some homeowners want constant reassurance. This couple vanished over the horizon. I only heard from them around once a week, or less often. It was usually me sending an update, and the pet dogs were with them, so I'm guessing they were fully relaxed. I set off to explore the property. The off-grid setup was impressive, a first for me. A locked air-conditioned shed full of huge batteries, the usual solar monitoring device, a boat, and the obligatory tractor to tow it to the beach. I met the lady over the road a few days after moving in. She brought me some fresh eggs. I told her I'd donate spinach to her chooks. Actually, over the next couple of months, I gave spinach to anyone who was close enough to thrust a bunch into their hands. We had a bit of a chat and the neighbour told me to come over for a cup of tea. I did wander over later in the week. Seems she was friends with my lady host, but not her hubby. There had been a falling out over what I do not know. And as I told my hosts on the night before they left, I did not want to get involved in local gossip. And I'm not sure what was true or not. And the neighbour told me one hair-raising story, which I won't go into. Neighbours tend to either ignore house sitters, although mostly they've been told about a presence, or make themselves known. Usually friendliness or a desire to be helpful or curiosity. At the moment, I'm on an urban house sit and have dubbed the bloke across the road a super neighbour. I met his family the night before my host left and they made it clear they were here to help. I haven't needed much in the way of help, but yesterday I did show him how to replace the line in his garden edger. I give them eggs and homegrown chilies. They gave me cherries picked on their family holiday. Anyway, back to the beach. I had a lot of research to do for my book, then trying to bash my manuscript into shape. The plan was to work on the book in the morning, then scoot down to the beach after a light lunch, which is mostly what I did during the week. The weekends were for adventuring. One lady traveller was keen to explore and interested in finding out more about geocaching. We had a great time dipping in and out of side roads, finding caves on hidden beaches, checking out tiny west coast towns. Turns out my new friend had excellent cache finding skills. One weekend when they were out fishing, I drove further west to Seduna, a quiet coastal town that was dead to the world on a Sunday. I spoke to a local and she told me about the salt industry. It pretty much keeps places like Seduna alive. Also, it's the gateway to the Nullarbor Plain and Perth. 
Interestingly, there is a quarantine station at Seduna. I drove past it to look at some historic ruins and had to stop for the quarantine inspection 15 minutes later on the way back into town. Another interesting industry was starting up when I was on the West Coast. A commercial razor fish facility was being established. It's not really a fish, more like a large mollusk or shellfish, and extremely tasty. But razor fish cut your feet, so everyone is careful in areas where they grow and look for a type of seaweed that indicates their presence. But South Australia has had problems with unregulated fishing and on-selling. Fishers can take a bag from the beds for personal use. They can't sell a razor fish. I think it's on a parallel with abalone fishing on the south coast, which resulted in massive overfishing and is heavily policed. So there's the salt industry fishing and iron ore, and of course spanner crabs in abundance enough to keep the smaller populated areas ticking over. Down at the beach, I did see a family living in a tent in the dirt car park, which is actually on private property. The lady went into the water over near the limestone caves and would squat down and raid the pippy beds. She did that every day. Out of curiosity, I had a look around the pippy beds one afternoon. The only ones I found were undersized and there were few at that. I think she'd fish them out. This particular out of the way beach was caught up in a land title claim and the council was resting on its heels while waiting for that to be resolved. They had a plan to clean up the beach and the behaviour of tourists but were waiting for the state government to give them the go ahead. I can see that all the problems have thankfully now been resolved. New signs, prepaid book campsites. No more honesty box, which worked well for the cheats. No more overcrowding. My hosts with their binoculars counted at least 100 caravans and campers on the beach at Christmas. No more frustrated local residents. And now there's room for fishermen to get in with tractors. No more angry people with children digging speed bumps along the front of the beach or dogs pooping off leash, or caravan toilets emptied into the sand dunes. Yep, it was all happening, including water theft, running out of hose in the dark. Caravans can no longer be parked against a day shelter, and the shelters are for everyone's use. Best of all, the car parking is for cars, not tents and caravans. Presumably the extra income goes towards maintaining the toilet block and water supply. There have always been signs saying no fish cleaning and scaling on the beach, but you know, like that's ever going to change. The boaties do it much further out in the water. The west coast has snowy white beaches and plenty of flat water. So if you get as far as Adelaide or the Brossa Valley, keep driving around the peninsula. It's worth it. You can get into places like Point Labatt and Venus Bay with a two-wheel drive and with well-maintained highways to choose from, it's easy cruising. It's one of my favourite places still. A couple of weeks into my stay, there was a knock at the door around noon. I was still busily tapping at the keyboard. A young couple stood out the front. Hi, we own the house next door. 
There was a small house on the corner block. It was the only structure in Paluby connected to the grid because somehow that was a condition of their contract and it was enforceable, so they got a very expensive power pole. A quick introduction and they asked, do you have our keys? Guessing I looked surprised. They went on to say my hosts kept their house keys and they just picked them up on arrival. Seems they lived in Adelaide and hadn't contacted the owners of this home to say they were coming up for a few days to do some fishing. I invited them in, then had a poke around in drawers, on countertops, under things. There was a lot of stuff in that house. Every surface was covered with stuff. I found some keys, not the keys they needed. Then made them a cup of tea and phoned and texted. No response from my hosts, the key miners. The young bloke suggested there may be keys hidden in the garden. So we went outside and looked around and found more keys tucked into a nook, but not the keys they needed. Still no reply from my hosts. The young couple left me their mobile number and headed off to do some yard work and try to break into their house. I don't think that was successful, so they drove into Streaky Bay. I hung around and did some more work on the laptop. Eventually there was a call telling me where to find the keys. I had looked there but the keys were very well camouflaged. I messaged the young couple and they happily returned for the key, vowing to call ahead next time they visited. A few days later they handed back the key and I tucked it back into its hidey hole. Keys are hidden in the strangest places and neighbours often have a spare. There seem to be keys here, there, everywhere. It's not unusual for me to help out the neighbours. Just the past weekend I looked after a neighbour's house while I had a short holiday. Trust plays a big part in what house sitters do. A short while into my visit, I noticed a funky smell wafting through the house, the air-conditioned house, and followed my nose into the closed-in balcony. The smell was coming from the algae-infused spa bath in the corner. I realised that when the owners turned off the aerating system, things had started to get swampy. Clearly, I needed to turn it back on without getting covered in green slime. The switch was way back in the corner. You'll have to imagine me straddling the triangular-shaped pool. I'm not that big, so it was a stretch. The job got done, and it took a couple of hours to purify the air. One of the features of the garden on this property were the old wooden dinghies. There were four of these, three already filled with soil and planted with flowers, one in reserve. I bought an old painted ceramic teapot at the Streaky Bay Op Shop, thinking it would fit nicely into a boat garden, and ran into a lady who was a local who I'd met on the beach and was invited to lunch with her and her friend at the pub. I hope you liked this week's episode even though I'm still struggling with that croaky throat. It made me smile thinking about my time at that beach. Now I need to go for a walk around a reserve 
and work off the chocolates I ate over Christmas New Year, a Christmas gift from my niece. If you're visiting Sydney and out west, drop into Mount Annan Botanic Gardens, well worth a look. The Plant Bank does free guided tours. Times are on the website. It's a world-class facility on par with Kew Gardens in the UK and you can see the lab technicians at work in their goldfish bowls. If you enjoyed listening to my ramblings, please hit the follow button. It will help you find future episodes. My content is released weekly on Thursday afternoon in quick bites of roughly 20 minutes. There will be a slightly shorter episode next week. Occasionally there may also be bonus content on a specific topic, but you can listen to episodes in any order. These are my stories and my experiences. If you're a fellow traveller, a virtual traveller, or merely curious about different lifestyles, again, thank you for listening. See you next Thursday and happy trails wherever you may stray.